0: Good morning, good afternoon or good evening Wherever you are in the world, it's me Damian Barr welcoming you to another Salon exclusive where you get to be the first to hear about the upcoming books that we are most excited about. Now the weather is warming, I have put some seats and bulbs in this week, yes I have, and it is putting me in the mood for a summer's read and we definitely get that vibe from the debut novel that everybody's talking about just now. The book is called That Green Eyed Girl and it's an absolutely fantastic title, just that title alone could have sold this book, it sounds like an amazing pop song the 1960s. Julie's novel opens in New York City in 1975. We meet Ava Winters, a young girl struggling to cope with an absent father and a mother suffering from a debilitating mental illness. Now Ava is managing to keep it together but only just. And then a parcel appears on her doorstep with a photo of a young woman with the word liar scrawled across it. The riddle of the sender and its intended recipient become Ava's obsession and leads her to investigate the secret lives of Dovey and Gillian. In this character driven plot, we shift from New York in the 1970s back to the 1950s. So we get a whole range across time and space and the characters growing and changing and the tension mounting. So it's a bit of a literary page turner. Anyway, you're gonna love it. So check it out. Here is Julie reading exclusively for you.
1: Hello, I'm Julie Owen Moylan, and I'm delighted to be reading exclusively for Damien Barr's Literary Salon from my new book, That Green-Eyed Girl. This extract is from one of two timelines in this book, this one set in 1950s New York, where Dovey and Gillian live a secret life which is about to be uncovered. In the end, I made a potato salad. "'and bought some cold cuts at the deli on the corner. "'It was a hot night, and I thought that would be easy. "'I bought a tub of ice cream from Sorelli's Ice Cream Parlor "'and a freshly baked apple pie from the New Hungarian Bakery "'that had opened across the street from us. "'As I set our tiny kitchen table for dinner, "'I was feeling quite relaxed about the coming evening. "'We had a fresh bottle of gin, another of vermouth, and plenty of ice.' It was just dinner and drinks. I was sure I could manage that, even for Judith. The apartment looked nice. I'd taken great care with it. Our small kitchen was gleaming, and our living room was warm and welcoming. Judith arrived a few minutes early with our cousin Peggy. Peggy seemed nice enough, but was so shy she barely spoke a word and flushed every time she was asked a question. I shoved two large gin cocktails into their hands, shuffling books and papers around so they could sit down on our old couch. What a lovely room. It's so... cosy, Judith said, her beady little eyes darting around, taking it all in. Thank you. It's got great light, Gillian said, before lighting up our pall mall and giving me a look to show she was cooperating. Isn't it a big place for just the two of you? It was, truth be told. There were two bedrooms, a small room just off the kitchen that we called the Nook and used for Gillian's art supplies, a bright and airy living room, and tiny kitchen and bathroom. The rent stretched us every month, but the peace of mind it gave us to have a place to call our own was worth every penny. I changed the subject and offered the cocktail sausages I'd made earlier to go with our drinks. They accepted them eagerly, the gin had made them hungry, but Judith was not to be put off so easily. I'd love to see the rest of the apartment, if you don't mind. I did mind. There was not a chance in hell that Judith would be getting a guided tour of our sleeping arrangements, even though I had the spare bedroom all set up. With a pile of half-read books on a bedside table. I'd spent ages preparing the apartment for Judith's arrival. Every photograph had been removed before we opened the front door, and I'd taken care to hide our green leather photograph albums under our bed in an old box. I'd thought of everything. I'd even separated our toothbrushes into different glasses. There was nothing to see, just a couple of teachers with their books and papers. I put on my best forced smile. Maybe later. Let's eat first. I'm starving. That part wasn't a lie, as my stomach was growling and I hadn't eaten since breakfast. Jillian was doing everything she could not to meet my eye and maintained a blank expression for most of the evening, except when she was forced to smile at some awful joke. Occasionally, she rolled her eyes or pulled a face behind Judith's back and I bit down on my tongue to stop myself giggling. At other times, she was charming and friendly, making polite conversation with poor, shy Peggy, and I loved her for it. At one point, Judith wandered off to the bathroom, and I followed her out, just to make sure that she wasn't snooping around. I caught her standing just inside our bedroom door as she made her way back to the living room. She had a strange way about her, Her eyes really blinked. Her reaction to getting caught trespassing was laughter, but the kind that sounded like a wrong note on a piano. Everything about Judith was unnerving. I was quick to hurry her along, telling her dinner was almost ready and making sure to close the door after she moved away. But even as I did so, I could still feel her presence, like a shadow inside our bedroom. The chit-chat continued until the gin glasses were empty. Peggy was leaving the city in a few weeks to take up a job in Pittsburgh, and so we made polite conversation around that while I laid out the cold meats and potato salad and called everyone to be seated. They shuffled in to take their places and scraped the chairs back on the hardwood floor. The small table was only really big enough to sit two people comfortably, but we all squeezed in and managed to get through the main course. Judith had brought a bottle of white wine for dinner that she insisted we open, which we did, even though I was already feeling a little giddy from the generous amounts of gin I'd poured earlier in the evening. The wine helped soothe the way, and Gillian was listening sweetly, as Judith poured out her apartment problems, describing in tedious detail the place she'd fallen in love with on 23rd Street, but wouldn't be able to afford for several weeks. Gillian sympathised just the right amount and was rewarded with a beaming, grateful smile from Judith. I served the apple pie and Zarelli's ice cream to everyone, except Peggy, who was watching her figure. Somehow we finished the whole bottle of wine and the evening wasn't going badly. I began to think that Judith was quite funny after a few drinks. She told little stories and was an excellent mimic. Our cousin Peggy started to open up a little about a man she was hoping to date. He worked in insurance and had prospects. The kitchen felt hot and sticky, overwhelmed by summer heat and too many people sitting in it, and so we moved back into the living room. I opened the window, but the catch was broken, and it kept sliding closed again until I propped it open with a library book. Judith and Peggy slipped off their shoes, settling themselves with legs curled under them on the couch, while I knelt on some old cushions on the floor, sorting through jazz records we particularly liked, Chet Baker Sings, and a new record from Paris that was our current favourite. Dropping a record onto the turntable, I let the needle fall and the melody started to play. It must have been getting late, because Peggy at one point started to fall asleep, her little face flushed pink and dribbling a little as our mouth fell open. Judith got up to use the bathroom again, and this time I couldn't be bothered to chase after her. I lit a couple of cigarettes and carried them into the kitchen. It was dark, and all the windows were thrown open to let in some air. The hot air outside met the hot air inside, and nothing much shifted. Gillian was standing by the table, lifting her fair hair off her neck and piling it on top of her head. I put the cigarette in Gillian's mouth and leaned in. See, it wasn't so bad. Uh, I guess not. She leaned back against me and I knew we were all right. So I'm forgiven. I haven't decided yet. Gillian moved towards the window in hope of a cooling breeze, but there was none. She turned and smiled at me, tender and just a little forgiving. I was happy, slightly drunk, but I remember feeling that my life was just perfect right at that moment. I leaned across and kissed Gillian softly on the lips, as I often did when we were alone. She smiled, and then I felt her stiffen, and I heard her voice Clipped and strange. Oh, Judith, I didn't see you there.
0: That was brilliant. Thank you so much, Julie. I feel a deep well of understanding for Dovey and Gillian having to so carefully keep their relationship away from the prying eyes of the world only to have it discovered by Judith of all people and as you will discover, Judith is a real piece of work That was Julie Owen Moylan reading exclusively for the Literary Salon That Green Eyed Girl is available in all good bookshops now and it's published by Michael Joseph You can get a copy from our bookshop on bookshop.org or check out your local indie if you have one And this is one of those joyful queer lit stories that we think is going to be big. So please be sure to share it with your LGBTQ plus bestie or beloved ally. A copy of this book is available in an upcoming giveaway in our newsletter. So sign up for your chance to win. I'm sure you've signed up already. Sign up again. You know, multiply those chances. Why not? I mean, I probably shouldn't say that, but anyway, that's all for me. Thank you so much for listening. Join us again soon.